What's up, guys? I'm Jared Lopes, and you're listening to the Dad Tired Podcast, where I'm helping everyday families learn how to follow Jesus in everyday life. How's it going, guys? Jared Lopes back here with you on the Dad Tired Podcast. It's good to be with you. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Glad to have you. Uh, You can go to dadtired.com and kind of get some more information on what we do and what we're all about. Um, But when you're there, click on the community tab. It will link you over to a closed group on Facebook where we've got a bunch of guys who are taking their faith, their family, and their marriage very seriously. And uh, we'd love to have you come hang out with us on that group. So go to dadtired.com, click the community tab. Also sign up uh, for, you'll see, like you can put your email in there. Uh, I don't send out a lot of emails less than once or twice a month, but I, it's, it is a good way to like stay updated on what we're doing, especially because I have um, a devotional coming out this summer that I know a lot of you guys are interested in. So if you're not part of that, if you, don't, if you haven't signed up for that email list, do that so that you can stay up to date on that stuff. Last week, um, I recorded podca- podcast. If you listen to that, uh, I was kind of just sharing real basic stuff. I, I didn't do much preparation. I admitted that and uh, just kind of shared some stuff that was on my heart. And one of the things that I shared last week was don't whatever you're chasing after to give you identity, just know that it won't satisfy you. It's not actually going to, to be where you need to be chasing your identity. So whether it's work or your job or whatever you're seeking, um, wherever you're seeking to find like your source of identity, it will let you down. And I recorded that on Monday morning, Monday afternoon, uh, I got an email that was like, could not have tested that m- my own words, uh, anymore. Uh, I don't know how else to say it. Like it, it, it tested what I was, was saying. I, I had to put my money where my mouth is. Um, so I spoke at this conference back in, in February, it was a men's conference and I just shared my heart, put my, try to point these guys back towards Jesus. At the end of the conference, they give all the guys a, um, evaluation sheet like to, Hey, how did the speaker do? Was this relevant? Was it quality? Was it the content that you were hoping for? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so I just, that Monday, (laughs) right after I had shared, don't find your identity in anything but Jesus, uh, wherever you're searching for your identity, identity is going to come short. Um, so that afternoon I got an email with my evaluation results and it was hilarious because, and by hilarious, I mean somewhat depressing, uh, like 60% of the guys that attended my session where I spoke, um, 60% of the guys gave it a five out of five star rating. They said that it was super quality. Uh, it, it was, um, exactly what they'd hoped for. It had pointed them towards Jesus, whatever. Um, but 40, almost 40% of people gave it less, two stars or less. Uh, and um, so there's a huge part of me um, that desperately wants to find my identity in that. Like, hey, I want to be the guy that talks to you about Jesus and I want to do that well and I want you to think I do that well. Uh, and if I don't, I feel like I am sucking at life or whatever. Uh, it was just, it was, it was very interesting. I don't want to over-spiritualize it. Um, but potentially God was speaking to, through 
to me in that moment because I had just that morning talked about to you guys, don't find your identity in anything but Jesus. You are valued as a son of God. There's nothing you can accomplish today that will make you more loved by Jesus than you are right now. You are delighted in, you're loved in, not because of what you do or what you accomplish today, but because of who Jesus says you are. God looks at you the same way that he looks at Jesus, and he delights in you just like he delights in Jesus. That's good news. That's the point I was trying to make last Monday. And then that afternoon, I'm basically told that um, a bunch of guys (laughs) who went to the conference where I spoke said, yeah, it wasn't that great. Uh, It it was one out of five stars quality or even two out of five stars quality. And uh, man, that just like really messed with my identity. I had to eat my words like, okay, do I find my value and my identity in these evaluation results? Um, from these guys, or do I just trust that I preached the gospel that day, uh, and I preached it raw, and I believe that what I said was what the Lord would want me to say to those men, and some of them thought it was great, and it pointed them towards Jesus, and other guys just weren't into it, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter like what any of those guys thought, because at the end of the day, I'm still delighted in by Jesus, and uh, you know, I want to be sensitive to that stuff. Like, uh, if there's stuff that I I want to play that line or walk that line you know, delicately. Um, if there's areas that I need to grow as a man and as a communicator and as a speaker, like I want to grow in them for sure. Um, but I don't want my identity to be wrapped around an evaluation. So I thought you guys would think that was funny that right after I told you to not get your identity wrapped up in other things, I was really struggling that night, (laughs) losing sleep over what other guys were thinking about me. I had the fear of man and not the fear of God. Uh, so I, I spent, I, I've talked to you guys about this a lot, but I, I've spent the last several years in ministry. I think this is like my 12th or 13th year in uh, like vocational ministry. And uh, much of my time as a, as a pastor at a church, I'm not, I'm not a, a pastor at a church anymore, but much of my time as a pastor at a church was, I, my title was called the discipleship pastor, which is and the church titles is a whole nother thing. It's really funny, this, the titles that they give people at churches. Uh, it's really funny. I always think like if you're an atheist and you you see the titles of staff members at church, like a lot of uh, material to make fun of Christians. Anyway, I was a discipleship pastor. So my role was to um, basically equip leaders so that they could be disciple makers and, and uh, teach people how to disciple, because that's what we're commanded to do as Christians, go into all the world and make disciples, Matthew 28. Um, so that was that was what I focused on, is meeting with leaders and equipping and training leaders to become disciple makers. And oftentimes when people think of discipleship in the church, like if, if, if I had asked people like, hey, do you, are you discipling anyone? Do you have a discipleship relationship? You know, all these words that we float around in church. Um, are you part of this? Most of the time, what people equate that to is a once a week meeting, typically at a coffee shop. So they think like, um, well, I should say two things. Number one is most people aren't in any kind of intentional relationship. Um, and that's not, I've talked about that on the podcast before. If you, you, you probably know my thoughts on that. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm kind of rebellious towards, um, things that don't feel natural and, uh, authentic and feel forced. I, I don't like that kind of stuff at all, but most people aren't in like intentional relationships for the sake of growing towards Christ. And those people who do make an effort to be intentional in, in relationship typically default to a once a week meeting around a book, uh, at a coffee shop. 
Um, and it, and it can be very like forced and you get super into the material and you forget to like just have real relationships with each other. And it can, it can honestly be awkward. Now that said, I meet with a group of guys every Monday morning and we go through a book and we talk about Jesus. Um, I literally just came from that meeting right now. And also I'm writing a devotional where I hope that you'll get together once a week with guys and talk about the gospel. So I'm not against it by any means, but I do think that if we have in our minds that discipleship is a once a week meeting at a coffee shop, then we are like for sure mistaken and deceived in what God was talking about when he was, and what Jesus was talking about when he said, go and make disciples. To go into all the world and make disciples of men is not a once a week meeting at a coffee shop around a book. And the guys that I meet with uh, know that. Uh, it's just a sliver of the discipleship process. It is not discipleship in in and of itself. And uh, and w- as I'm writing this devotional and finishing up uh, this devotional, um, I know that this is not discipleship. Like when you meet with other guys in your area and go through this book, it's not discipleship. It hopefully will be a, a part of your discipleship journey. But but the the once a week meeting around a book itself is not what Jesus meant when he talked about discipleship. Um, discipleship is is allowing somebody to follow you as you follow Jesus. I mean, that's the whole point of discipleship is basically come follow me as I follow Christ. Paul said that, like, follow me as I follow Christ. And one of the analogies I use on this is if I, like, if I want to teach, I used to give drum lessons. I I grew up playing drums. And if I, I would give drum lessons to kids. Now we could, you can do like two things when you're giving lessons of any kind, but I could like sit with kids and I can talk to them uh, about drums and we can read some books, go to the library and read all the things that we want to learn about drums. And then hopefully they would get it. Or we can sit at a drum set and I could hand them some sticks and let them start banging on things and then coach them as they're going along. It's the same with my son. Like if you've been following my Instagram feed, you've been seeing that we've been fishing like every single day. And uh, I could read my son books on how to fish. I could talk to him about fishing. We even watch fishing shows on Netflix. Like we're super into that right now. Um, But he never learns more than when we're actually out at the lake and he has a pole in his hand and, and he's casting and he's and he's fishing and he's learning from his mistakes and he's getting caught and snagged in trees or whatever like that's when he's learning and that's the same as discipleship we can sit down and christians love this we love to sit down over a cup of coffee uh, and talk about uh, read a book that talks about how to be a better christian uh, we're like addicted to this as a Christian culture. Like, let's read a book and then let's study it for 12 weeks and then let's meet again and study for another 12 weeks and then let's meet again and study for another 12 weeks. And what happens is we read and we read and we read and we never actually do anything. And so I've talked to, uh, we we meet and we talk about how to be better husbands and better dads and uh, better men or whatever. And yet we never actually practice together. We've read books about how to fish or how to play drums, but we've never fished together. We've never actually picked up a drumstick and hit the darn thing. Uh, And so discipleship was never, Jesus wasn't like sitting around doing Bible studies. Uh, he w- he wasn't telling people, okay, come follow me and we'll meet once a week at Starbucks and study the Bible. He said, come and follow me like as we walk and as we sleep and as we travel and as we go, like we are going to be discipling in the midst of everyday life. 
And that is discipleship. And the reason we don't do that is because it's way more, uh, it's it's dirty. Like it's just inconvenient to have somebody around you all the time, right? Like you're busy, you're working, you have kids, you have a wife, you, you've got a family. Like uh, it's just a lot easier to meet somebody once a week and kind of go through a book. Um, it's just not what Jesus had in mind. Real discipleship is when somebody isn't just hearing what you think about marriage. Real discipleship is when somebody watches you be married and uh, they're over at your house and they watch you the way that you interact with your wife and with your kids. And they don't just hear about how to parent, but they watch you try to parent as your three-year-old throws a tantrum in the in the uh, kitchen or as your wife says a comment that frustrates you and how are you going to respond to that. I've literally had relationships, friendships in my life where I'm trying to help point guys towards Jesus and they've watched me. They've like sat in my kitchen as me and my wife have an argument. Uh, And I promise you that that's a hundred times more helpful in their walk with Christ and in their journey with Christ than if we would have sat at a Starbucks and read about it. Now, again, I do that. I, I go to a restaurant every Monday and I meet with guys and it's helpful. It's helpful for me. It's helpful for the other guys. I'm writing a devotional. I believe in it. It's it's a part of the discipleship journey. But if that's all we're thinking, uh, that it's fully consumed and just like discipleship is fully uh, done in that one week meeting around a book, then we're just, we're sorely mistaken. So discipleship is not a once a week meeting. Discipleship is when you're inviting somebody in to watch you in your everyday life and in all your junk. And that's what Jesus did. He invited people to come watch him. Uh, They knew how he ate. They knew his little mannerisms. They knew how he walked and how he talked and the things that bothered him and like what he smelled like, you know, they, they didn't just hear his theology. They watched him actually play out what he believed. Um, And so that's what we're going after. And there is no, there is no greater discipleship relationship or, or no better opportunity for discipleship relationship than you with your kids. Because the reality is your kids are watching you. Nobody watches you more than your kids. They're watching your every move from the things that you do in the car, the way you drive, the way you eat, the way you talk, the way you talk to your wife, the way you talk to them and their siblings, the way you go to sleep and brush your teeth. Like they are watching every one of your moves more than you even realize they're watching you. And I know for some of you, even as I'm saying that, that's like a scary thought, like, oh, crap, man, I do a lot of stuff. And uh, that's the point of discipleship. Like you are raising, uh, hopefully, little followers of Jesus, and they're watching you on how to do that. So one, take it seriously. Um, Be humbled, be sober-minded as you think about that. Your sons and daughters are watching you. They're watching your every moment. But also, uh, be excited that there's no, you don't, you won't get to hang out even with your best friend as much as your kids are going to be around. You won't have other opportunities like this where somebody, uh, is going to watch your every move and potentially be around you all the time where you get to use every opportunity to train them up in righteousness to be the lovers of Jesus that you want them to be. So here's the thing. I'm going to give you three quick uh, just th- observations that Jesus that I've seen Jesus do in Scripture as he's discipling and how they would relate to us as disciple makers of our children. Number one, Number one thing that Jesus did, or one of the things that Jesus did as a disciple maker, um, was he spent time with the Father. All throughout Scripture, you see Jesus saying, uh, 
or you see him getting away to go be with the Father, to go pray, to be quiet. And the point of this is, like, the, the reason this is so important is you can't give to your kids what you don't have. Like, you can't fake a relationship with Jesus, and not at least not for very long. And this is kind of the other thing. Like, you can convince your friends uh, at the coffee shop that you're really in love with Jesus, but if they're watching your every move all week long, they're they're going to quickly buy what you're actually in love with. Um, and your kids get that. Like you can't, you can try to fake a relationship with Jesus all you want. You can, you can try to teach them Bible stories and theology, but dude, your kids aren't dumb. Like they're, <laughs> they're going to know exactly what you're into and, and what you actually believe. And so if you want to, if you want to see your kids fall in love with Jesus, if you want to point them towards Jesus, uh, you need to be in love with Jesus. And to do that, like one, you just need to humbly pray like, God, I, I need my heart to come back to you. Um, and and he's not looking for you to like just change your behavior. He wants to snatch your heart. And so it just starts with you spending time with the Lord. Like, are you intentional about reading the Bible, about spending time in prayer and in worship and in community and being around other people who are going to point you towards Jesus? Are you like in the fire? It's hard to be on fire for Christ if you're not in the fire, right? And so jump in and like uh, immerse yourself. Uh, Jesus said, like, I'm the living water. Your soul's going to be thirsty without me. And so uh, get, yourselves in, get yourself in a situation where you are falling in love with Jesus all the time because you can't give what you don't have and you can't fake a relationship with God. Your kids are, have a high BS meter and they will realize really quickly what you're faking and what you're actually authentically passionate about. So the first thing Jesus did as a disciple maker is he spent time with the Father. And if we want to be disciple makers, we need to spend time with the Father um, so that we can give what we actually have. And that's a, a loving relationship with the one that loves us. The second thing that Jesus did uh, as he was making disciples is he intentionally put them in situations um, and, and even situations where he knew that they would potentially fail. And so what comes to mind when I think about that is the feeding of the 5,000, like, Jesus is teaching and the crowds are gathering. There are 5,000 men, not even including the women and children. So there's potentially 10, 15,000 people, if not more, listening to Jesus. That's a big crowd and it's getting late and they're getting hungry. And his disciples is like, tells Jesus like, dude, you got to let these guys, you got to let these people go. Like they need to get home. It's going to get dark. They're hungry. And what are we going to do here? And Jesus says, well, feed them. Why don't you feed them? <laughs> Uh, and in 2017, that would be a problem. Like if that happened today, if I'm if I'm hanging out with Jesus and he's like, feed him, and we got 15,000 people to feed, it's still a big problem, right? Like who am I going to call? What pizza delivery am I going to go to? Like what Taco Bell is near? I'm sorry to all the dad tired guys who, when I tell me that they listen to the podcast on their lunch break and I mention Taco Bell, you're trying to eat healthy. My bad. Don't eat Taco Bell today. Eat something healthy. But in 2017, it's a problem, right? Like it's it's still a big deal. Back then, it's an even bigger problem. Like they don't have any resources to go to to feed 15,000 people. But Jesus says, feed them. Like, what do you have? What can you do? And he's purposely putting them in a situation where they're going to learn new things about Jesus, where they're going to be dependent on God. And so he, I mean, God knew that. Jesus knew that. He knew what was going on. He knew what the kind of situations he was going to put them into. And so he purposely put them in situations. Uh, even the even the time that he told them like, hey, I want you to, 
I want you to go teach people about the kingdom and uh, go tell people about the kingdom, but don't take any belongings with you. Like he's very intentionally putting them in situations that are going to be learning opportunities for them. And so for us as disciple makers of our kids, we need to like clear our calendar and be intentional about putting our kids in situations uh, where, where we're going to teach them, where we're going to instruct them, where we're going to point them towards God. Um, I've been fishing, again, a, I've been fishing a lot with my son lately. And part of it's because it's fun. I'm a dude. It's like a cheap hobby, and it's also a really fun thing to do with your kid. And I live in Oregon, so we've got a lot of places to fish. But I've been fishing a lot with my son lately, and uh, these are intentional situations. Like, Beyond just catching fish, the amount of hours that we've sat on a log and talked about life and I've got to hear things that are going on in my son's heart, like super intentional. I want him to fail. I want him to like get snagged. I want to see him work out his frustration. I want to see his joy. Uh, I'm putting him in situations where I know that we're going to have opportunities to talk and to grow and to I'm going to teach him lessons that he wouldn't have otherwise have learned if I wasn't intentional. So Jesus was intentional about putting his disciples in situations where they would he could point them to the things of uh, the kingdom. He could give them gospel illustrations. And that's the same thing that we need to do with our kids. Clear your calendar. Put situ- put your kids in situations where you can allow yourself to teach them things about the kingdom and about the gospel that they wouldn't have other- otherwise learned had you not done that. The third and last thing is this. Jesus used everyday situations to point uh, his disciples back to him. And uh, and this is like the biggest thing. Again, your kids are watching you all the time. They're watching your every move. And if you think of yourself as just not, you're not trying to raise a bunch of morally good kids. That's not the point of being a Jesus following dad. Like if you love Jesus and, and you recognize that you're part of a much bigger story than just your story, just your little family story, you're part of this bigger story of redemption, of God redeeming all the world back to himself, and he wants to use you and your wife and your kids and your family as a unit, like then you recognize, okay, I'm, I'm not just trying to raise morally good kids. I want my kids to be in love with Jesus. I want my kids to be radically obedient to the Lord because they know it satisfies their soul more than anything else that they could chase after. And so then you're just using every situation possible um, to point your kids back to God, to, to remind them of the kingdom, to teach them about the kingdom. There's a verse in the Old Testament that says, like, whether you're lying down or waking up or walking or eating, whatever you're doing, use every situation to teach your kids about God. And, uh, and that's what we do as Jesus followers. We use every single situation to talk about God. There, there was a, um, just a couple of weeks ago, Elijah had a, uh, my son, he's, he's five years old and he, they were doing a fire drill at the school and his teacher kept telling him to be quiet. And he and his friends were laughing and laughing and laughing. And it was like, you know, it's a serious, dr- I actually, it wasn't a fire drill. It was a, um, like the shooting if a if a gunman had come into the school and so it's really serious like there's no room for laughing the the teachers are very serious it's a very it's a lockdown drill that's what it was a lockdown drill so they're locking the doors lights off you have to go in a corner and be quiet and Elijah and his friends were laughing you know they're being they're goofing off and the teacher kept telling him to be quiet be quiet and he wasn't listening and uh, anyway 
the story is longer, but I'll spare you all the details. He was just being really disobedient and disrespectful. And uh, he got in big trouble. He got in big trouble by his teacher. And she pulled me aside and my wife aside after school and talked to us about it. And uh, he was there as she talked to us about it. And um, he's just feeling so much shame. He gets in the in the car and he's literally burying his head into his hands as he's crying. And he just doesn't want to look at me. He doesn't, you know, he won't pull his hands away from his face. He's just like curled up, just feeling deep shame and deep guilt. And he doesn't want to talk about it. And, uh, and this is the opportunity, right? Like I didn't put him in that situation to fail. I didn't, I wasn't trying to see him in a situation where I thought I would get to teach him something, but I recognize this as a situation where I could teach him about grace, about forgiveness. Like son, I, your, my love for you doesn't change. Even when you mess up, even when you feel like you're at your worst, I, daddy has so much love for you because Jesus keeps loving daddy when daddy's at his worst. When daddy fails, and I do all the time, Jesus still forgives me. And so even though you messed up today, there's grace, buddy. Like, I love you, and I forgive you, and I'm going to keep showing you grace because Jesus keeps showing me grace. And I'm trying to use everyday situations, the things that I didn't plan on, to point my kids back to him, back to the good news of God. Uh, so those are three ways, ma'am, that you can uh, intentionally be an intentional disciple maker with your kids because the reality is they're watching. I hope that's helpful. I love you guys. If this podcast is helpful, it means the world to me if you leave a review so that more and more people could hear the good news of Jesus. We need more men equipped, not just to be engaged dads, but dads who point their kids to Jesus. Uh, and you can really help out in getting more men exposed to this podcast podcast by leaving a review. So anyway, I love you guys. Thanks for hanging out. If you're you're not hanging out with us on the Facebook group, come do that, dadtire.com. Click the community tab. I love you. Have a great rest of your day. Later. (laughs) 